Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this first of a two-part programme, I talked to Anne Glasgow, who I met through Rutherland's People's Past, People's Future group. Working for Imperial Tobacco in Glasgow until its closure in 1991, Anne went on to obtain a university degree which led to a successful career in community education. She was also founder of the People's Past, People's Future group. Anne's early recollections of Rutherland, however, are to do with visiting the town for shopping and socialising when she was young. My earliest memories of visiting Rutherland was I was born just over in Dilmarnock, eh, across the Clyde, and then when the slums and all that started coming down, a lot of our families all moved it to like Easter House, Castlemilk, that, that was the main two. And every Sunday we used to go up to Mance in Castlemilk. And to do that, my mother always, I had a panic. If I went on a bus and it was going over the bridge, I still have it like that, I would be hysterical. So what my mum started doing then, I kept from thinking the bridge would collapse with the bus and I was terrified. And it ended up, my mum, it was over. I was okay walking across it. So she just made us walk right up and we used to walk up to where the shopping centre is now and then we used to get the 46 right up to Castlemont. So that was my earliest memories, but it was as if there, this glow came over my mum. Uh, you would have thought we were wild animals and she says, now you remember when you are standing in this bus stop, you better be on your best behaviour and don't you be jumping about and don't... So me and my sister were told off, it was like a death threat. We had to be on my best. But then Rutherglen seemed quite a genteel upmarket place compared to where I came from, in Dermarnock. Uh, so we were on our best behaviour, first things, and I always remember it was lovely, lovely buildings and all that. We would duly then get the 46, travel up to Castlemont, the reverse journey, got off, and then I would walk over the bridge back to Dermarnock. I've overcame that fear, but I'll, now I hate going under bridges. Uh, so that was my earliest memories of it. Then later, uh, as I got a bit older, um, there was it meant a lot to me. I was a a right swimming enthusiast and I was right up there for the opening of Rutherland Swimming Baths and I used to go there every Sunday and I used to go, that was the first place I ever tried a sauna Um, and I just thought that was amazing so it was and they had a gym workout place and everything else like that so I went right up there all the time and my husband used to take two of my friends well he was my boyfriend then used to take uh, my boy Trophy Domarnock so that I enjoyed that Another memory I've got here, um, my mum, when the shopping centre opened up, that was really big. And although at that time the shops were getting reduced in Dilmarnock and Bridgeton and all that, my mother always loved shopping in Rutherland. So that was a special day. She would always say, right, that's me, I've got your pancakes and your crimpets. And that was very dairy that was there for years and years in Rutherland Main Street. So that was a big treat for us. Um, and then when the shopping centre up, my mum faithfully got on the bus up every week. She loved doing her shopping in Rutherland. And then I started to go up as well. And now I've actually, when I look back, some of the memories I've got here, it was really great to have an indoor shopping centre. Mm-hmm. Really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that. I'm sorry I never went and brought photographs because I took photographs. Um, it was years ago when the centre had first my boys, but he's, 30, he's 36 in January. And I remember taking him up as a toddler and he had the reins on them and different things like that. But he was always fascinated. Just as you went in the shopping centre, there was a 
wee amusement thing for kiddies to ride, mm-hmm. but it was like a big circular thing. They went in a wee chair and they went up and round on it and round, and he had to go in that I don't know how many times. And I've actually got photographs, so mm-hmm. a lot of that, a lot of memories was there. Yeah. Uh, and there was gents' clothing shops and everything else like that. My mum used to always buy my dad's clothes out of there. Mm-hmm. So it was a wee sort of a social thing for us going into Rutherglen. So well, what kind of year would that be then? Oh, goodness, I'm going back. Mm-hmm. James was born in 19... He was the first of the first, 1988. Um, so, well, prior to that, so I mean, well, well, prior to that, but when James was up, I started taking him into the when he was about one, and he's 36 in January. But um, then I would say I was in my teens when the swimming and all that opened up to me. And then later, it was a draw for us. We used to always go every Sunday, without fail, to the Rutherglen Hotel, uh, the Glenruth Hotel. So it was. Right. That was absolutely. We met everybody from there. So where was, where was that? Just right down. See, it though you're heading towards Family Road. Right. See how you just come out and then you're heading down the way as if you're heading down to Tesco. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. That was a big giant hotel. All right. Oh, it was yeah. a big giant. Had everything. Wow. Had everything. It had beautiful function halls, mm-hmm. lounges all up the stair, right. everything else like that, and it was well looked after. Really yeah. well looked after. The right. Glenruth Hotel. That was right. a really, really. It was jam-packed mm. you had to queue outside the door to get in here and the reason I liked it it was a way for where it was a bit noisy and maybe you didn't fancy the look of some people yeah, yeah. up in Rutherland it was always dead dead really really Bobby the, the guy that run it his dad owned it yeah. but oh he was like a dream guy so he was with his curly hair and his beautiful suits and everything else like that so we used to go regularly everybody we just all travelled up travelled up to Rutherland that was all our meeting places plus I I started working in Imperial Tobacco Mm -hmm. and the minibuses used to come through Rutherland there was a lot of people through Rutherland uh, mainly women that all worked in uh, Imperial Tobacco which was up in Alexander Parade so I had a lot of connections and friends through there and we used to make that our meeting place in fact I had my 21st my 21st birthday party and the Glenruth Hotel right. uh-huh. and I'm 68 just now yeah, yeah. and I remember it was me and my friend my friend was expecting it at the time <clears throat> so everybody went away and Carol says I don't feel like getting a taxi like just let me stretch my legs so the two years were carrying my birthday cake what was left of the birthday cake mm. and we walked up we were walking it for the Glenruth Hotel right down over the bridge into Domanlock and uh, somehow we managed to Dropped the cake, which was in smithereens, and then I've seen her off, says bye-bye to her, and then I went up, by that time I had moved to the old tenements, into the masonettes that was built in Dunmanlock, and I went to there, and it was a Saturday morning, because it was always, I always remember, it was a Glen, the Glenruth was on a Friday, my 21st, and I was lying in my bed, a wee bit hungover, and next minute my mum was burst my bedroom door open, and my friend was in labour, and it was the day of the orange walk, and they couldn't get an ambulance to her. <laughs> so she was really... Yeah. But they managed to get through the walks with police escorts and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But she was actually born in the car park of the Duke Street Hospital. Exactly. Uh-huh. So it was always a memorable yeah. thing for me. Um, so there was that. So there was a lot of recreational side yet right. for me, and a lot of friends, different things like that. Uh, from the Glenruth Hotel, that, that was really a maker. Mm. I'm amazed that you... I don't, I'm not from around here, so... All right, no, right. No, no. All right. Yeah. Well, it took up, took up a big area. So, yes. like, yeah. car washes and right. different things, and I think there's a place that's in, uh, re- 
rejuvenating your kitchens and different things like that. So it's just up for there. Oh, no, we are. Aye. And the left hand side uh-huh. came down, aye. 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 Just that big, it was massive, oh, so it was. Yeah, so yeah. it was yeah. It was a great place, really well run. Mm-hmm. And then for quite, I still had connections in Rutherland, so I did quite a lot of friends through my employment <coughs> in Imperial Tobacco. And then when I left, when that closed, uh, they done a closure in that in 1991. And I went, what am I going to do now? And at one point I thought, hey, my friend and I were going to buy a pub. And then we decided, no, right, we'll not go for this. And I went, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because I knew I wanted to do something else. Right. But then that was my opportunity then. So I ended up, I went on an access course uh, to get into university. I got into university and I passed my degree in uh, community education in 1999. Then following that, I was employed uh, with Lone Parents Association uh, in Easterhouse. And I had a great career up there. Then I decided I would like to move on and I seen an advert for South Lanarkshire and it was for community learning workers. So I'd applied for it and I didn't think I had a chance of getting a job. I mean, I'm hopeless at directions. My, my husband had to drive me up in the car about four times before <laughs> this pre-sat-nav. Uh, before I found where the, the main offices was in Hamilton. Yep. So I went away up there and my appointment was later on, and I was 40 by then, and my appointment was in the afternoon. And when I went in, there was three people for my interview, but they had a side table, and all your qualifications were put in, in a brown folder, and they were laid all out. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I went in, I seen that there was masses and masses of people mm-hmm. who'd been in before me, and I went, I have no chance of getting this, no. thinking because of my age and that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just let it rip. And I went back home. I promised my son that I would take him into the town after that. But I was so exhausted. I just, every question they asked me, I had an answer, yeah, answer, yeah, answer. Yeah, sure. But it was the experience I gained, sure. also for working in the community in Easter House. Yeah. And uh, as I say, I didn't think I had a chance. And they said that they'd phone me in the Monday to let me know or whatever. And I went, right. But when I went home, I was really, I didn't realise how exhausted I was. Yeah. And I said, James, mummy's going to just go for a wee nap and I'll take you into the town tomorrow. And yeah. So he wasn't too happy. But um, I think I'd just fallen asleep. And next minute, my son came up. And the mobile phone's in, this big giant right. things yeah. with Ariel. And he went, Mum, Mum, it's a man for you on the phone. Yeah. So I took the phone, and it was actually them. Uh, the phone me up and they said, we're very happy to offer you the position. Mm-hmm. I just was blown away with that. Okay. And it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Ever had. Mm. And I worked in there as a community learning worker. I was based at Eastfield Primary School. It's really knocked down its flats mm. uh, now. And we moved We moved quite a few places because we didn't have premises. Uh, at one point we were all based in Rutherland Library downstairs in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to travel about a wee bit mm. uh, because the building was at the ceiling and all that had fell in. But eventually we got settled uh, and we were up in one of the primary schools. We got a base in there. As I say, we travelled about and my job was to go and then connect up with groups and members of the community that I could go out and target. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, she's now, she's now, now she just got promoted just before. It's about six months ago. She's now the uh, service area manager now, mm-hmm. and I'm dead proud there, Leanne. Okay. She just stays along the road there. Sure. And uh, when she came in, she was like a breath there, followed mm-hmm. by another girl, mm-hmm. Dominique. Mm-hmm. We had a different approach because I think we came back, we came back, we actually all came to purer backgrounds, mm-hmm. and it sort of worked our way through. <coughs> Other workers was fabulous and all that, mm-hmm. but they all had a tried and tested method. Mm-hmm. Again, out to outreach to groups, we had a 
really different approach to that. Mm. We used to go at night and walk the streets and when we went to team meetings, mm. you know the big general, they were like, what, are you go walking the streets at night? And we were like, uh-huh. Yeah. And I said, but where do you target then? I said, because a lot of times you'll see. Mm-hmm. So it was a right breath of fresh air. What did, you, what did your job actually involve doing? It actually meant going out and engaging with groups. Right. What could we put in place to assist the management of their groups? What skills did they need to develop? Mm-hmm. Supporting mother and toddler's groups. <clears throat> then we amalgamated with literacy. Right. So that became a, mer- a merger right. uh, with community learning workers and also uh, the literacy side of it. But I get involved in that as well. So I run quite a number of classes here and in the Baptist Church in Rutherland, just behind the shopping centre. Mm-hmm. I found that really rewarding, so I did. Um, that was these all groups, English for speakers yep. of other languages. Yep. So that was really successful, so it was. And you, you worked with a right diverse group, you know. Yeah. And one of the ones that I found most fulfilling, although I didn't teach literacy, I had tutors in place, um, was when the Syrian refugees came into Rutherland. Um, this is when they were fleeing their own country and they were getting dispersed and each council says they would take so many people <coughs> so I engaged with them they were based up at Fernhill and they started attending they were beautiful families mm-hmm. um, Fernhill and can't remember the other place but they didn't allocate them all it was such a culture shock for them coming to the country so that was then they established their housing and that but then what we did was we developed the the whole service developed a full session that over the summer we be told all these classes and also bringing the families somewhere in Hamilton somewhere yeah. further out um, they gave them an opportunity to come together then you know and share experiences but they were the most grateful people that you've ever met in your life mm-hmm. and so enthusiastic about this country and what they had offered them and yeah. different things like that so at uh, when we done that programme, we actually worked in conjunction with the housing, all the different agencies and all yeah. that. So I found that side of the job really rewarding, yeah. supporting mothers and toddling group, and just reaching it to people yeah. that you might have just banged into that yeah. were a wee bit lost. I suppose you'll find that doing the job you're doing, successive jobs, each job before gives you more experience to dealing with people. Things that you pick up, experiences that you find, you can't even learn that from a book. No, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. Even when I was at university and that, and I actually felt sorry. You used to go out in a three-month placement, and I felt so sorry for some of the young ones that was coming in, because they were going straight for high school, mm. um, straight into uni, and they were really shocked when they went out to... Some of them come from quite a good background. Mm. No, all of them, you know that. I'm not mm. saying that, a wealthy background or whatever. Mm. But they had good education and all that. Yeah. But it was a real shock. Okay. It was a real shock to the system in three month places. And I was like, I was the oldest one at the university. Right. And I was like a mother hen going, You phone me. If you're having any trouble, you phone me. <laughs> you know, try to look yeah. wee boy for Edinburgh and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So I really found my job real but it, Easter House was a grounding for me mm. and just seen but I think it was because I came to a place right. that I seen yeah. Just getting let to run down, so I became mm-hmm. quite vocal and yeah, politicals and yeah. different things, mm-hmm. my politics and that, mm-hmm. and seeing that education could make a change to you, mm-hmm. and I definitely seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, reached out to all different members of the community, as I say, mothers and toddlers, and the people I worked with, a great team, mm-hmm. and we were successful in getting funding because sometimes there were people sitting in halls and they didn't have the next week's rent, you know. It, 
and this is an outlet for people to come together and for that I gave them the confidence maybe to try other things I've still although I've retired I've still got a class running in um, Rutherglen Library on a Thursday night okay. still going and I still get texts from different ones that's come into it yeah, right. through the years cool. and, and Isabel and Jean that's out there right. they were one of the first people that I met right. and where Rutherglen Primary School was mm-hmm. that used to be the huts and that was a local project at right. the cafe it had everything in it mm-hmm. so I was able to get in there and put on computing IT classes yeah. Um, literacy classes for people, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. things like that. So it was a really, really mm-hmm. rewarding job. I loved, absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I would never have left. I never took you a lot of time, but what had happened is my, uh, my husband was a plumber, and it was when the Commonwealth Games came to Tollcross. Don't matter, look, I got married and I moved up to Tollcross, and uh, then I moved to another estate, Tollcross, for a little bit. And this day my husband was working, he was a boss. Working, but he was one of these hands-on bosses. Uh, it was a Commonwealth Games was happening in Tollcross uh, Leisure Centre. And Jim was at the swimming pool area and one of the chaps was corner a wall, something like that, and he went, you're not doing that right. He was just a typical wee Glasgow plumber. <laughs> Out my road to get it done. So he started corner the wall. And then whatever it was, it was always remember it was a Friday. And he came back in that day, he came in early. One of the boys dropped him in, it's like you. He says, I took an awful di- dizzy turn there, he says, when I was calling this wall, he says, I just didn't feel, he says, I just feel dizzy. I says, how are you feeling now? Because he was never had a day's illness in his life. And so that happened, I think that was a Friday. And then he was fine. I mean, he was fine. He was just the same gym. Yeah. But he was up the stairs watching footballs and I was doing, I'm a great reader. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting down the stairs reading. And uh, next minute he came down the stair and he went like, and who's that wee girl that comes in here? And I'm looking at him and I'm going, talking about mm. wee girl so I, but then I was thinking it was like my friends their children right. or even their <coughs> grandchildren that used to come in never thinking for a minute and I'm going mm-hmm. is it Carol's grandson is it Reese? is it this is it mm. he went no a wee girl so I was and then I'm looking at him and then I went I went are you talking about Casey mm-hmm. and that was my own granddaughter and he, this is a he had a mini stroke mm-hmm. uh, so that was a right shock to us right. and then just a couple of weeks after that he took a bigger stroke mm-hmm. but he was great after the stroke fantastic help uh, for the stroke team and different things mm-hmm. uh, but Jim had never retired he actually worked by retirement age he would right. never gave up his job mm-hmm. but I just went I think you need to call it quits now the slight dragging his leg the slight speech impediment yeah. but fantastic apart from that and uh, we'd been together for we were 16 mm-hmm. and uh, what had happened, I used to be, we'd moved into just above the post office, that's where I was based, that was where the latest office mm-hmm. was, and uh, sometimes he had a wee mini phone that he could never work, even when he worked, he, he was hopeless with phones, mm-hmm. and uh, I says, listen, I'll ring you, just let it, I've always said that, I'll ring it three times, and then you know it's me, I'll ring you back again, then you can answer me just to check that you're okay, mm-hmm. and he always was okay, mm-hmm. but he would never have, and he was a, if blue pigeons mm-hmm. so we'd pigeon hunts around my back right. we had a big big back garden and I always, I always have that with you next minute I'd be terrified because he hadn't answered mm-hmm. but I was only two minutes three minutes and I'm back at my house for other going there go that some's happened to him so I would be jumping out the office and all the rest of it yeah. and it sort of unsettled me for a wee while mm-hmm. and I was thinking about leaving and I spoke to my friend Leanne and uh, in fact she ended up she was one of my managers Leanne because I encouraged her, I went, you go for that job, you'll wait the floor with them. And she has, because now she's an area manager. And 
my boss at the time. Uh, very nice, Elena. Listen, I'm thinking, although I love my job, I never wanted to leave my job. But I kept on saying, we've been together all this long, what then happened to him? And I'm not there. And then they spoke me at it because the job that I was in was reactive. You could work days, nights, weekends. That didn't bother me. Um, and we would also volunteer that time because other people had young families, you know, so I was in a position, you don't need to worry about it. We all covered for one another. It was a great team. Mm. And uh, they spoke me out because it was a sort of a reactive job. You had loads and loads of work. We really piled on the work. But you had hundreds of paperwork as well to do. And that became a killer. Mm. Um, I used to sit with a big, gigantic island board. Mm-hmm. I didn't even use the dining table right. because it was that. Because I was, you would always try to... Mm. I said, what about this paperless office they were going to have? <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And uh, they spoke me out it because... What they'd say is, he says, I hadn't went about doing three days a week then. And I went, don't know, don't know, whatever. And then it was, they bent their back, it was for me, what about a week on, what about a week on? I said, but there's no money. I went, so I know that after I had a week off, I'd become into a fortnight's work. So they talked yeah, me yeah, out of that. Yeah. But I, about a year later, I ended up, I was getting a bit of stress. And I went, look, I said, I've made up my mind. Although I hated the thought of leaving my job. Yeah. I really hated it. And uh, we had such success with groups that we established. This group in here, uh, I first started this group, mm. and that's one of my, that was fantastic when it started. Yeah. And uh, they've come on leaps and bounds. So anyway, I decided then that I was going to leave. And I engaged with that many people and whatever, and they were having a wee leaving do for me. But I'm just, I'm going, I don't want to leave and do. And they had it in the Baptist church, and there was about 240 people came out. Mm. I was blown away. And the gifts that I got and yeah. everything, mm-hmm. it just showed that you were appreciated. Yeah, well I was, I was blown away with that. So I was, and uh, but I had great workers, I had great co-workers, I had great yeah. managers, good team, uh, great, absolutely great. And then after that, quite, I still kept in contact with my groups and different things like that, and was always quite busy. I had one granddaughter, uh, Casey, so I looked after her quite a lot. And then well, I'm trying to think what happened. I. That was it just a couple of years ago. Um, my, my husband hadn't been keeping too well, and so he uh, ended up, it was uh, prostate cancer, mm. but he was in my right good shout, so he was. Um, he was in my right good shout, and next minute, I always remember, it was in April, and we were at the dining table, and my son was standing, my son's a plumber now, he's got his own business, and he was grumpy as his dad, right enough. And uh, Jim, Jim never complained of the treatment, through, never in, and next minute we get a phone call for his consultant, and that was in April, beginning of April. And I was like, oh, Jim, but my Jim is never demonstrative for anything like that. He was not jumping about the living room, that's great, I'd be ca- uh, prostate cancer. And he just went, right, that's fine. And I went, James, I said, do you ever remember the day your dad was there? You thought you'd have seemed a bit happier than that. But I don't know whether it was because he was in three weeks. I went, no, there's something seriously wrong with him. And I phoned his consultant and I went, look, he's really bad, the pain that he's in. She says, I get him up to me at half past eight in the morning and before the clinic and the beats and, um, started. But it ended up that was a back with a vengeance. Mm-hmm. We thought he would get another two shots of chemo, but mm-hmm. that had never done it. And then that was it, it was terminal. So the last three years there, that's um, two years coming up. It was two years in October, mm-hmm. but I just feel as if it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it's left a big, big gap in my life. Right. You forget as well, I'm quite fit as an older person. But my friends maybe have got, like, they can't walk much. You, so I've not got that socialising sure. sort of a thing. I'd, I'd, they still see them. I go in my car mm. and we go for coffee and different things like that. Mm. But it's just not the same. 
and I was getting lonely and lonely and more isolated. And then the next minute, I looked at them, the groups, and the sons just going, and why don't you come to your group? Why don't you come? And I'm going, like, no, no. And then Liz, who was with me right for the start of this group, mm. who's the chairperson now, she's going, you're coming even if I've got to drag you out here. <laughs> and I went, no, I'll pop in one day just to see you. Mm. I says, Liz, I'm not coming into work as a worker. I went, there's no way that I'm coming out to take care of the man. I says, you have done fantastic. I went, so. Sure. I mean, really, they're a great group. Yeah. And then I did come, and it's been a life saver. That's great. And mm. it really has. Mm-hmm. And it's really like I'm meeting new friends right. and brother going again. Yeah. So it just seems to have came for full circle. I would really say it's really mm. right because I was I was very, very low there. Mm. Um, and I got into the state that I was actually getting up. I've got quite a big house and I wouldn't get up my house, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't mm. get up my house or anything like that. And my boy's really good and I've got my I've got a second grand menu. Mm. And uh, I'll maybe pick the wee man up for the nursery and different things like that. I just too much. I'm a great reader, right enough. Right. But it just go that I would get up in the morning, and I would move through <coughs> one bedroom. Then I would go down, mm-hmm. make myself an omelette, yeah. then sit and read, yeah. watch telly. Sometimes that bored me a bit, right enough. And I would still be in my pajamas, mm-hmm. and I would have to put on a different pair of pajamas because I hadn't even changed out the pajamas. Yeah, yeah. So that go, it was mm-hmm. just a right, and I, I felt myself getting really, really down there, and my son, and I used to go to walking an awful lot. Mm. And I gave that up, different things like that. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the two towns' local history show on Camglen Radio. In this programme, you heard me talking to Anne Glasgow of Rutherland's People's Past, People's Future group about her memories of visiting and working in Rutherland. Many thanks to Anne for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks also to the People's Past, People's Future group. The music was by Sugal Nifty. I hope you enjoyed this programme, which was recorded in November 2023, and that you can join me again next time. Until then, thanks for listening. Radio is an amazing medium. It can inspire, entertain, inform and connect people. This station, Cam Glen Radio, is run by a dedicated, passionate and committed team of volunteers and you can be one of those volunteers too. It doesn't matter if you're an experienced broadcaster or if you've never set foot in a studio in your life. We provide all the training and support that you need to do what you want to do and it's a great way of making new social connections, learning new skills, expanding on your CV and just having loads of fun. So to find out more about volunteering with Cam Glen Radio, just email volunteering at healthynhappy.org.uk. You're listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you'll hear the sounds of Dune Ponds Nature Reserve.